deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call for if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Hello and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for Laps fans. I am your host, CC. And I'm Liz. I'm Liz. I did it. I said it. I said podcast. I did not say podcast. I did not mm-hmm. say shriek cast. I did not say pubert. I did. I did. I said it right this time. How how am I doing? Uh, doing good. Every time I wait for my my cue, you know, to, to, to jump in. Yeah. I try to like I, I only have about, you know, I don't know, t- like three or three to five seconds to think about it. And I'm like, what if I have a good joke here? Like, what if I don't say Liz? What if I come up with a good joke? And it hasn't happened yet. I don't I haven't <laughs> come up with a good joke yet. But I'm like, oh, we're pretty established. You know, this is like the 70 some odd episode. So it'd be mm-hmm. quite, you know little bit of a subversion of expectations kind of joke so i'm just letting you know that that's coming coming down the pipe someday <laughs> that's 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 on the radar i need to be ready for it <laughs> exactly eventually. oh i'm well i'm looking forward to that for sure um yeah no we, we we've settled into a groove we're on episode 79 which is we're hey we're we are 10 episodes past the funny number mm-hmm. um which i think is a, is quite an accomplishment um um and so thank you for joining me for all these all these wonderful episodes and for many more i'm sure um and uh i'm 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 thrilled to announce that after kind of a long drought we have some news again wonderful which, is, which we've kind of we've kind of been struggling right like last week we lucked out because there was that powerful uh refinery 29 article about joe biden fandom mm-hmm. um, but but like you know jk is missing she's been in in her I guess her lawsuit cave plotting how to destroy her personal assistant. Um, and, and, you know, now that that's accomplished, I was sort of expecting her to come back to Twitter maybe when I was a fool and she has not. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, so, so I was like, man, I'm, I'm a little worried. We're just not going to have anything to talk about in these first segments for, for a while until, you know, something big, comes down the pipe but fantastic uh, beast three fantastic beast three 2021 20, really... 2021 no right no yeah no first segment until november 2021 because because all the news <laughs> dried up but uh but i was wrong we're back to it we're back on schedule we have uh, a, a litany of headlines here first of all hogwarts mystery has added quidditch Wonderful. That's great. I have been contemplating returning to that game. You know, I, I've kind of kind of gotten a little bit into the mobile gaming groove with Pokemon Go. And I, you mm-hmm. know, I, I said uh, way back when, like, oh, that game wasn't for me, but I'm, you know, enjoying kind of a more on the go lifestyle. So maybe mobile gaming is for me. I might just try to get back into the Hogwarts mystery, especially now that hmm. they've added so much more content. Like I'm, yeah. I'm in the groove of like logging in and like doing something and not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting stuck and frustrated. Uh, yeah. When I hit that time wall. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, uh, I feel like I might be in the same boat where, where I, I'm at least interested in reinstalling this thing just to see, like, because they've added, like, like multiple years of, uh, like, you know, school years of content now. Haven't they added romance? The, yeah, I think there's, like, a dating sim aspect to it now. I uh, love that. Yeah, it sounds great. The, the. The Quidditch, the trailer at least, they have not, I don't think they've put up like a full like gameplay video, but the 
I will say the Quidditch looks very familiar. You know how um, uh, the uh, Pokemon Go recently updated how they do the like super moves to be like those weird tapping games? Yeah, it kind of Quidditch kind of looks like that from what I can see, Um, which doesn't sound all that exciting. But it also appears that Quidditch also has its own like storyline, like again, like like similar to like the year stuff and the holiday stuff. I'm I don't know, maybe 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 this game's good? Question mark. Is the storyline like who's going to win at Quidditch? (laughs) Yes, I, (laughs) I yeah, it appears so. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna win the big game? Uh, who's gonna win your big game? I wonder if there's like an aspect of like maybe you got to recruit some players or something. Uh, I hope I so. Know. I've kind of got like well, eh, I mean like that's that's me projecting like latent Fire Emblem content onto this. Like oh, what if I've got to recruit? Oh, that's what that's what snuck in there. For my Quidditch I was like, journey. Well, I was like, that sounds good. But what made you think of that? It was Fire Emblem sneaking in. I'm always thinking about Fire Emblem. <laughs> we're two we're two months out and i'm still i'm still playing that so i don't think it'll let me recruit snape for my quidditch team if i had to guess Mm, what if it did though what if what if snape what if snape was like secretly a really what position would snape play i mean i think that he did play or at least uh, doesn't he do like refereeing or is oh yeah he's a referee he he flies around I, on a yeah, broom, I'm, I'm which is kind of, kind of, you know, he can fly. He doesn't need to be shy fly about it. He can fly without a broom. Yeah, but he doesn't want to, you know, show off too much. Does Snape um, play Quidditch? Let's let's take a look at what the internet says. I guess I've just always taken that as the assumption that he does play. Like, if he, I, maybe, maybe that's like a false assumption that if someone is a referee, then they probably play as well. That So that is what the, uh... Yeah, the general consensus online seems to be that, well, he did referee, so he probably at least knew how to play, right? I've, I was going to say, like, maybe there's an interesting discussion here about what, what position he played, but there aren't very many, and they're just not that interesting. I think he'd probably be a keeper, if I had to guess. He, he gets a loom, you know? Could yeah. Fly around and kind of, like, look at everyone. Isn't um, that what the secret is? Because they don't have anything to do for, like, most of the game? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but but I can't. I don't know. I I don't know if I can see Snape doing a dive. You know, that just doesn't. Yeah, he that's might hair- dive right off of his broom. That and would be fly so under his own power. Right? Oh, mm, yeah, he could do a lot of cool cool tricks. I guess he could like he could he could jump off his broom and and fly under the broom and pick up the the snit. Yeah, maybe he would be a good secret. What's what's that sport where you like do jumps on bikes? What is it? BMX. Oh yes, BM, like you mean like motocross or or. or oh BM- yeah, I'm just wondering if maybe Snape would be involved in that, but with brooms. Sorry, I just, I just like I I had a brain <laughs> like like short circuit there when you asked what's the sport where they jump on bikes, and all I could think of was like what like the like like a you know like a like the the Tour de France, but they're like jumping on each other's bikes and like. <laughs> fighting each other like road rash I, I was like what sport is that it sounds great yeah, yeah it sounds no. dangerous i could see that yeah he uh snape doing a, a a superman on his bike that's that's a 
I can yeah, see but that. He just might have some some kind of like extra little loop de loops in the air because he can fly. Yeah, he could he could do he could do a flip. He could you know he could kind of like do a little he he could do he could he could set the bike doing a three sixty and then he could do a three sixty himself <laughs> in the other direction and then grab exactly. the bike and land it. Oh, exactly. I love this. I love Snape as a motocross uh, star. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> new lore updated my journal <laughs> new lore for snape he's way into motocross okay um we've got to move on here we've got another headline here jason isaacs once got jk rowling to spill the best kept secret in the publishing world uh this is a very minor thing but it's kind of cute um he was uh i guess at a at a party this is according to uh ny daily news uh by the time everyone was gearing up for the series fifth film order of the phoenix as well as the seventh final book uh 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 he said i hadn't met jk rowling so the actor said i was actually at the time trying to decide whether i would going to be in movie movie five or not because i didn't have very much to do in that film uh <laughs> i knew i wasn't in this which that's wild thinking about what he does in the book here uh so yeah. i guess yeah, we just got to his his big moment. I knew that I wasn't in the sixth film because I was in Azkaban. Spoilers! And I wasn't <laughs> in the book. Uh, so I didn't know whether to commit to it because they were very piecemeal, for me at least. Uh, the scattered schedule, a few weeks here, a day or a month there, was tricky for other work things, Isaacs explained. So I thought, well, if I've got something to do in seven, obviously I don't walk away. No part of me wanted to walk away at all, he noted, but I needed to know if I was ever going to do anything. Isaac and Rowling, or Joe, hadn't overlapped on set, he said, so it wasn't until an awards ceremony that they had the chance to meet. We're all in tuxedos, and this is kind of a big ballroom, and I walk over, I said to myself, don't ask her if you're in the seventh book, there's no point in asking, she's not going to tell you, it's the best kept secret in the publishing world, and she's writing at the moment, why would she give it away in public, Isaacs recalled. Though we planned to just thank J.K. Rowling and be gracious for everything that had happened so far, Isaac changed course. Uh, they went joe jason joe and they went and she went hello darling how are you he explained (laughs) (laughs) and i said i'm terrible get me out of azkaban i'm begging you uh and she looked over her shoulder both ways and she mouthed to me you're out chapter one and that's when i signed up for movie five oh my god that's adorable that's really adorable this is the, the rare humanizing moment for J.K. Rowling and also just like Jason Isaac seems like he just had the best time being Malfoy. Like he just seems like a, he had a he had a fucking blast with this stuff. He did a great job. He Yeah, he's really good in these movies. I'd say he's one of the best the best casting choices. It's so funny that that like he is so well known for like playing. It's one of the best like playing against type things for him. He's so often just like the the like hardened british criminal guy in movies or whatever uh yeah and and seeing him uh seeing him be fancy lad lucius malfoy is just always always a treat i think did he have a bigger role in a movie that i'm forgetting it's it is so weird to hear that he was like oh i'm barely in five and i think he had what two scenes in two yeah And, and one in four where he just like looks at harry and is maybe mean well, I think I think movie seven is is a huge role. I think 
Because movie seven is the one where he's like got like the he's got like a crisis of faith in Voldemort, and he's got like I, he looks really funny in the seventh movie because he's got like a beard as well as his like his hair. And oh so he yeah, just, he just kind of looks like the Witcher guy for the most most of the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he I think I think he's a major character later on. So, but yeah, no, you're right. Like he really only appears at the beginning and the end of Chamber, and like isn't in three at all, and and he appears in that one scene in four. So it it seems like he kind of always was just a bit part really. Hmm. Yeah. And Hmm. he sort of gets kind of a main villain role in like the climax of, of book five as we will learn today. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was our exciting reading uh, uh, this week. But before we get to that, we've got one more headline. This is a big one. This is something that uh, everyone has been sending us online. Mm. Um, I'm excited to talk about it because it's it's such a good throwback. Nashville School bans Harry Potter series, citing risk of conjuring evil spirits. Wonderful. This is from CBS News. A Catholic school in Nashville, Tennessee, has banned the Harry Potter series because a reverend at the school claims the books include both good and evil magic as well as spells. Which That's true. It is true, which if read by a human can conjure evil spirits. The publication obtained an email from Reverend Dan Rehill, a pastor at St. Edward's Catholic School Parish, which was sent to parents. In the email, Rehill explains in the email that he has consulted several exorcists in the U.S. and Rome, and it was (laughs) recommended that the school remove the books. These books present magic as both good and evil, which is not true, but in fact a clever deception, Reverend Rehill said of the seven-part Harry Potter series. The curses and spells used in the books are actual curses and spells. No, they are not. Come on, man. Are you sure? I guess so. I guess I've never tried them. Uh, which, when read by a human being, risks conjuring evil spirits into the presence of the person reading the text. The email continues. Uh, CBS News has reached out to the school district comment. The Tennessean says Reverend Rehill is out of office until Wednesday. But the superintendent of the school for the Catholic Diocese of Nashville confirmed Rehill did send the email. So he banned Harry Potter and then went on vacation? Yeah, power move, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I feel, okay, so that ties into kind of what my theory is here. And this might, this might be, uh, you know, I'm developing a powerful conspiracy brain uh, as as time goes on. Um, But I really feel like, because this is like such a throwback, right? Like, you just don't see headlines like this anymore. Uh, Harry Potter has not been a, like, flashpoint for, uh, you know, Christian discourse for a very long time, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sticking point for me here is that this is a Catholic school doing this. Sure. And, you know, maybe maybe we just didn't come across it in our in our research, but like most of the satanic panic stuff, especially in the 90s with Harry Potter and like Pokemon and stuff, was uh was a protestant thing like that was a very common like southern baptist megachurch type thing right that was kind of like what 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 they were famous for i feel it was very like prosperity gospel style stuff generally um yeah i I feel like a lot of that stuff ended up the most or i guess they were probably the most likely to make specials that we could then watch on youtube later and i assume catholic churches probably are still um I, I guess affected by 
like like local cultural forces right right yeah yeah that, that would make sense i suppose i just my my, my this is all leading to i because i was thinking about this and i was like wow like normally when i you know when i remember satanic panic stuff it's always it's always like a baptist church or something like that and so i looked this up uh and here's my theory Mm. Only eight percent of people on the Tennessee census uh, have have uh, identified themselves as Catholic. Sure, I th- I think this guy saw an opportunity. I think Mister Rehill oh. was like, "Damn, I've got to do some PR work for the Catholic Church here in Tennessee. Oh. Uh, what if I get us in the headlines by banning Harry Potter again, like they did twenty years ago?" I like that. Hmm. I think, yeah, I think, I think this is, a, there's no such thing as bad publicity thing. He did it for uh, clout, is what you're saying. <laughs> the Re- Reverend Clout Chaser, yes. <laughs> yeah, the Catholic Church is always cl- chasing clout, and this is, this is what they, this is what they came up with this time. I, I, that, that is my theory. Uh, I, I'm sure it's very dumb and uninformed, but like, that was all I could think of. I was like, hang on a second, a Catholic school? I thought they just kind of didn't care really about, harry potter um yeah uh, i i definitely i feel like i have a memory of watching some sort of like anti harry potter catholic thing but i i don't know what that would be and i think it all kind of blurs together uh but i'm glad to see the it hit the headlines once again in 2019 yeah so what you're saying is you're a unitarian it all it all blends together Yes, yes, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> the Shrieking Shack, the new Unitarian podcast. Wonderful. Harry Potter and the Sacred Texts. Here we are. Uh, has anyone done that? Has anyone? Is anyone out there? Has anyone, <laughs> has anyone uh, uh, tried that? Because because uh, if not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. That sounds really catchy. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the the article concludes. Uh, the scholar and con- columnist writes that some Christian critics believe the Bible makes clear magic stems from demonic sources, and Harry Potter may seduce children away from their religion into occult practices. Uh, this belief has manifested in bans before. In 2006, a Georgia mother asked the county school board to ban the books because of the evil within them. The series was on the American Library Association's list of most challenged books for at least three years. From 2003 to, or excuse me, from 2001 to 2003. So that was kind of like the last time this was popping off. So kind of cute, I guess. It's just a cute throwback article. I love, I love getting these remasters, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's great. We, we just, we just, they just keep coming, you know? <laughs> Harry Potter, Satanic Panic remaster. Love it. Absolutely. Um, I like this one, especially because um, I feel like whenever this sort of issue comes up, um the uh, people in question kind of dance around the question the issue of like whether they think magic is real and i respect this one just comes out and says yes yes it will summon evil spirits this will summon evil spirits i would love for when, whenever this the, the good reverend gets back from his vacation uh i would love I just I would love to see some 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 video content. I'm not I'm not out here, you know, I'm not doing the internet atheist thing. I'm not like show show me some proof. I just legitimately like if if hey, if you've got like any videos of someone casting spells, can I see those cuz that sounds great. I want to see some spells. Absolutely. I, wanna, I want I want to know what spell what you know what what can we summon? Can we summon Dobby? I want to see the Harry Potter spells. 
yeah are they re- can we summon dobby can we summon snape like like what's if we're conjuring evil spirits can can we summon snape and ask Bloody him to show hell. us a cool motocross trick summon peeves the spirit of teens oh that's right yeah the, the spirit of teen mischief maybe we could summon him yeah there's so many options so if this guy knows how to do it i would love to pick his brain but we've got to pick our own brains here we've got to get into our reading for this week yes we do let me take a big sip of water before my apology post oh ooh, apology Th- these of are the probably week. my most low effort notes I have ever made because this chapter is one long action sequence. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think an apology is needed. Uh, I, I, I think most of, yeah, no, let's just get into it. We, 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 we pulling can... out my notes. Apology, yeah. apology here. Um, <laughs> this is very low effort for chapter thirty-five, which is called "Beyond the Veil." Um, if we remember from last week, Harry Potter just picked up. The prophecy I, he doesn't know it's a prophecy though the orb in a moment of recklessness um but oops a bunch of death eaters are there um they come from the shadows and it's lucius malfoy and some some scary scary death eaters um and they say you know haha you did just as as we planned um only only the person a prophecy is about can pick up the orb um, and Harry is is now a little bit intrigued, like he's he's realizing it's a prophecy um, and he's trying to stall for time. He realizes that they're outnumbered uh, here. Um, Bellatrix, I think, gets her first speaking line um, and she kind of taunts them. She's all she's all fucked up. She's really evil. Um, and they and they want and the Death Eaters are kind of like being held back by Lucius Malfoy. They're like, we're going to kill him. We're going to get him. And Lucius Malfoy kind of kind of gives the game away by saying, you know, like, oh, no, you can't do that. We need to get the, the prophecy intact. Um, and Lucius Malfoy does end up taunting Harry a little bit because he he realizes that Harry doesn't know there is a prophecy. Um, and he kind of uh, says very explicitly like oh that's why it took you so long to come here because you didn't Dumbledore never told you uh why Voldemort wanted to kill your parents and and Harry's like a little bit kind of torn about this because he wants to know more but he also needs to escape so they don't all die um so he signals to Hermione to like tip over one of the big shelves full of prophecies um and they do uh, and thus commences an action sequence that lasts for the rest of the chapter. Um, they run away. Um, they kind of all get separated. Harry ends up with Hermione and maybe someone else. Um, and and Hermione and Harry run into the room uh, that we remember as having the bell jar with the bird hatching and growing old and dying and then rehatching over and over again. Um, they get into into a fight in there uh, with a couple of Death Eaters, um, and one of their one of them like falls into the the bell jar thing and gets a a, a baby head, I guess. And and Hermione realizes that that room is dedicated to time. Um, also, all the time turners in there get smashed. Um, Hermione gets attacked with some sort of mysterious purple flame spell, and Harry thinks she's dead. Um, but she's not. Uh, Neville is also there. He says she's got a pulse, so she's okay. Um, they they kind of come out of that. Um, 
all right because the death eater that's head has been turned into a baby um is is kind of uh making enough chaos that that hermione neville uh they carry hermione to go find the others um they find ron with i think luna um and he's in in the brain room um and he got he got attacked with something by a death eater um and is just acting very childish and like not understanding what's going on um and he uh some death eaters arrive and in response ron summons a brain from the tank of brains and then the brain attacks him and their tentacles and it's really scary and and freaky and things are not going well at all they're really losing the fight ron's getting brain hermione's passed out um lucius closes in and he's like carrie there's nothing you can do you just got all your friends killed now just give me the prophecy um and and it all kind of culminates uh with everyone in the room with the the archway uh with the veil um neville does try to intervene he kind of gets his his heroic moment his his nose is bleeding he's all he's all fucked up uh but it's not going to work bellatrix taunts him um and and hits him with a crucio and and she's just real real messed up real real evil um but just in the nick of time the order of the phoenix arrives there's just a big big old brawl um harry gets almost strangled uh, i think by mcnair uh, but neville has another heroic moment and helps him um but in in that little scuffle the prophecy gets shattered and they're pretty horrified. They don't even hear what it says. Um, it's, I think that it describes Trelawney kind of coming out of it in smoke and saying something, but there's, it's, there's too much chaos. So they can't hear. Um, Harry looks over and sees that Sirius is dueling Bellatrix. He's kind of taunting her saying like, Oh, that's the best you've got. Uh, but that doesn't go very well because she stuns him and he falls back into the veil and dies and Lupin has to kind of grab Harry who's in denial and is like, Oh, but I just, he just fell back. He's fine. Like that can't be right. And Lupin's like, Nope, Nope. He's gone. That's the end of the chapter. And okay. Well that wraps up our reading segment for this week. Uh, join us. (laughs) (laughs) There's this is okay. No, there, there is a lot to talk about here, but it is, um, this is definitely the most, uh, I guess literal chapter that has existed in this book so far. There's not much interiority going on with any of the no. characters here. This is this is pretty much straight up uh, a screenplay like action directions for the most part. I'm trying to rack my brain and try to figure out what my favorite action sequences in books have been, and I'm not coming up with much do you have when when i say that does that bring anything up for you like are you like oh i read this book and it had excellent action in it that is a really good question i i can think of like like i can think of like very very specific moments um but like but but i'm talking about like oh that was a very vivid way that one thing is described right um I've I don't know if off the top of my head I could tell you like I have a book that has a favorite entire like chase or fight sequence in it right Mm -hmm. um because generally I just don't think that that is like the strength of books really right (laughs) Mm -hmm. like I, I enjoy 
like even things i i would consider like really pulpy and fun like i i like the um like the james bond books like you know like i like spy novels and stuff but like the car chases from the movies aren't lifted straight out of the books right like like there's there's not like extended uh 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 very meticulously planned out car chases in uh in in the james bond novels right um and this really once once you know after the initial scene which you know which we'll talk about in a second but like like just broadly like after that initial scene with kind of like the standoff between lucius and and harry it's really just like action directions like like in a in a way that is very it's a lot difficult to read like i I understood what was happening but like i was reading it and just going like i don't think i've ever really read anything quite like this uh in terms of how like how extended and cinematic this like chase sequence is yeah do you feel like jk rowling invented marvel movies because when i read when i read this i was like oh this is the part in marvel movies where i get really bored and i feel like uh, you know i am someone who doesn't care about spoilers ever Mm -hmm. like legitimately i just whatever that's i i don't think there's anything wrong with being bothered by spoilers Mm -hmm. but i just i just don't care it really really doesn't affect my my enjoyment of something i I think i think we might both be similar in that the how is much more important than the what right yeah 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 i think that's definitely fair and then and i also often i am a rewatcher i'm Mm -hmm. a rewatcher i'm a rereader yeah um oftentimes i will finish like a a show or a movie i like and and maybe this is weird or maybe it isn't i'm not really sure but my immediate impulse is just like okay i'm gonna watch it again yeah like just immediately that's just how i am um with all of that said i think this entire action sequence is only interesting or or has any tension at all if you don't know who's going to die like yes. if, if you're going into this and saying like i know someone's going to die but i don't know who it is and go and i and i am reading this obviously this is a reread for me um and have read it several times i know who's going to die and i know how so i was mostly just bored the entire time yeah i i we were talking last week about how uh this bizarre setup that these like last few chapters have had to like get neville and luna and hermione and ron and also now the da like all in one place for a big fight sequence feels really funny knowing that the book was like like one of the the big hints that she gave very early on before this book came out was like oh a major character is going to die in this book um and so like this this just really feels like a this you know what this is this is like watching someone else play a david cage game oh like, shit <laughs> like <laughs> like like this is this is watching someone else play heavy rain and you're not sure which part they're gonna fuck up like which button are they gonna fuck up on and it turns out that that you know they they clear they clear all of harry's sequences they clear all of ron's uh it's just when they get to when they get to Sirius's part uh they press x instead of square on accident and the whole thing goes goes balls up 
Oh, that's so it's such a bummer. Yeah, because it's like that that part where Hermione gets hit by the mysterious purple flame spell, and you think that she's dead for a long time, but but don't worry, um, d- does does pick press the X button fast enough so that Neville Neville remembers to bring her with um, <laughs> somehow, maybe floating spell. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's like a weird description of him. The, the, there's the part that I love where where there's a description of him like like carrying hermione right where he's like oh harry you you go on ahead i'll carry hermione because you're better at fighting than me which is you know classic (laughs) escort mission setup um (laughs) sure but the the part that i loved was like right after that there's that other thing where like there's the whole encounter with the brain where we get like this very vivid and creepy description of like the giant brain attacking ron and them like trying to fight it but like not really uh, uh succeeding then harry and and neville or like harry gets chased off and like neville comes up later and harry is like hey did ron finish fighting the brain and and neville's like yeah no i think he's he's good he's still fighting the brain yeah what the (laughs) fuck was up with that you can't do that (laughs) he's just like yeah i'm pretty i'm sure he's all right uh i don't know though like i guess he's he's still getting brain in there but he's probably fine oh we can't we can't skip too far ahead we can't we can't we can't skip to the brain room okay we, okay we, let's let's we have to rewind ourselves. let's yeah. rewind to all of the death eaters hiding in the prophecy room yeah while they were wandering around how so, long do you think they were there do you think voldemort deployed them from the war room did he deploy all of his guys yeah is, he, is this oh is this every single one of voldemort's guys is this is did he, he going all scout in first like to see and then be like okay i'm set i'm sending my entire army all 18 guys is creature his, room. is this creature his scout unit like, i think like, so yeah like sending creature Definitely. out into the fog of war just to be like okay i'm gonna send you out there <laughs> See if see if see if the order is building a forward a forward barracks. Uh, if yeah. they are, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So so last week we were talking about how funny it is that like Lucius Malfoy was waiting in that room all alone with his Walkman, uh, uh, waiting for Harry to show up. Little did we know that actually there were just a dozen guys in there, just all chilling, waiting for Harry Potter to come in and pick up the orb that they need and i guess this this okay so logistically i i had to reread this section multiple times and i still don't quite grasp what it is they needed him for here's the thing the if the prophecy is about you you're the only one that can get it however if the prophecies aren't about you, if you do push over the shelves, you can break all of them. So, yeah. Okay. So, like, what are the logistics here? Because also, is it once you have picked it up, anyone else can take it? Is it just like a one-time thing? Is it, like, stuck to the shelf? Is that what the, Did Bode get there and was like, ugh, it's stuck. Right. I can't get it. I can't. Oh, we need Harry Potter for this. But, like, if someone, if Harry had been there, it, like, once Harry's picked it up, I guess it's just a free for all. Like it's it's all good. If anyone goes, I I don't sure. I don't not? quite I I don't quite understand it. And there's a part too where I I I was reading this and like I was worried that I was having a brain problem because the it almost reads backwards because uh there's a part where Lucius says we need where he's like we need you to to you know we needed you to pick up the prophecy and then harry like asks him 
after he's explained that, how come you need me to do it? Like, like Harry, Harry asks after the fact, the same question. And I was like having this weird, like, is my copy fucked up? Did a, did paragraphs get mixed around? I don't, I don't fully understand what, what the deal is with the prophecy. Yeah, it reads really weird. Um, the other, it was like that, it was a one-two punch for me, which was the Harry asking why after I felt like it was already resolved. And then also the realization that we have with Harry that he never asked why Voldemort tried to kill his parents <laughs> or succeeded, I guess just not interested. Just less, very much less interested in that much more interested in the logistics of the prophecy uh, and who can pick it up and how many people can touch it once it's been picked up. Uh, and, and I'm a big fan of um, Bellatrix doing the uwu voice here. Yeah, she sure is evil. Huh? She sure is crazy. Uh, would you would you like to explain uh, uh, to the audience the 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 thing that you told me yesterday, which about about your your theory on J.K. Rowling's female characters uh, and 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 who they all are? Oh, that they're all the Joker. All women are the Joker. Yeah, I was. You know, we talked about we were like talked a lot about like gender roles in goblet of fire Mm -hmm. and i'm just like tossing all of that in the trash right now because (laughs) all the women are just the joker that's that is the gender role that that jk rowling imagines for for women yeah it it is so so weird it is every every major female character that is not professor mcgonagall is unreasonable and petty and okay but unhinged. i think mcgonagall's mcgonagall's getting her joker origin story when when she's like i'm going to make harry potter an or no matter what i have to do that's, that's a joker origin story right there she's turning enough. into the joker as we read <laughs> that's right well i guess also her her she she also has her weird backstory right like with with Dougal and whatnot that, yeah that, so so no one is safe from it but yeah so we have what do we got we've got cho chang uh, is the Joker because she cries mm. all the time and is unreasonable. Fat Joker. Um, yeah, she's she's, uh, she's Jared Leto Joker, I guess maybe mm-hmm. or or um, you know. Yeah, only gets ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> uh, there's uh, uh, Hermione, who I guess Classic is like cartoon Joker. Yeah, animated series Joker has a has a good plan uh, that that she carries out. Uh, it all has cartoon physics for <laughs> sure. Uh, Bellatrix is Heath Ledger Joker, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. she's she's just constantly she's she's just kind of in the in the back. She's like uh, kind of vamping at everyone and and, and coming up <laughs> she's with. She's Heath sick... Ledger Joker if he did the uwu voice for the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple, wee wee. We kill the Batman. Let me tell you, that's a long ass movie. <laughs> that is a long movie. Ah, <sighs> that's a movie I would like to watch the clear play version of. Is there like a nice Joker that Luna is? Uh, I'm not the Cesar Romero with... Joker mm. from like the you know the 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 sixties TV series is more of just kind of a goofball. Uh, yeah, I, I could see. Yeah, Luna Luna is the Cesar Romero Joker. I think I'm pretty comfortable with that assessment. I think the only female character. The, isn't the Joker is Ginny, which is maybe why she's the love interest. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, she's just she's just normal and cool. She's Batman. I guess she's Robin. Harry is Batman. Uh, in in this case, uh, yeah, I, I, I just I I'm so tickled by like Bellatrix appearing and like being so scary by kind mm. of like talking constantly at Harry and like doing the torture spell, but it's really. I mean, this this just goes back to what we were talking about a couple episodes ago about how Hermione just feels like she's operating on a completely different set of rules. Nothing Bellatrix Lestrange does here is any really all that more crazy than anything Hermione has done in this book. Like, yeah, and not and not in a way where it feels like it's drawing a parallel. It just feels like. I like this weird limp introduction of like your your crazy character when we've had a protagonist do just as much fucked up shit uh like all through the book. Yeah. Um Bellatrix is really boring to me. <laughs> She's so boring. Like I there's one part in here that I thought was like mildly interesting, but it's in such a stupid scene. There's the part where she like where she gets like actually pissed off at Harry when he's like saying Voldemort at her and like uh you know and she kind of like drops the baby voice acting like gets very serious all of a sudden and like that part's kind of cool except for the fact that it is hinged upon uh us like enjoying Harry doing the I just proved you wrong by your own logic thing where oh yeah where she because she calls him a half-blood and he's like oh did you know voldemort's a half-blood and she gets all pissed off and like this this has like west wing energy of like the inventing a right wing character who will say the exact wrong thing for the smart democrat character to completely dunk (laughs) on right like absolutely like, like just oh this 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 death eater is gonna say is gonna say oh oh harry's a half-blood and that's bad but harry knows that voldemort's a half-blood and there she's not gonna have any answer to that it's just really one note and kind of boring i i think that her scariness is really undermined by the fact that she fulfills the role of being stupid and giving the game away a little bit yes yeah she's like someone had to right yeah because we like there there needed to be a way for them to get out of that situation but the fact that it's because like lucius had to turn to her and be like no we will get in trouble if the sphere breaks it's just (laughs) it's very corny Mm -hmm. yeah lucius does a lot of uh uh like expositing through like yelling at his minions kind of he he, he's got that like 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 video game boss energy where the boss will like yell like oh i hope no one hits my weak point three times kind of (laughs) thing right where he like he's very very purposefully laying out what harry needs to do i I think the thing with Bellatrix and like all this stuff that that just like doesn't work for me is that like it, it is weird to like, you know, she, I suppose is like more of a character than Rookwood or uh, Rat, Ratagast or whoever, (laughs) Rastaban who's here. Hey, Rastaban's a Lestrange. That's right. 
uh, is, is, is Rabis Rabistan or Rastaban? Anyway, like we, I don't know, it doesn't matter. There, there are all these like unnamed characters here who I guess Bellatrix is technically more of a character than. True, but, <laughs> but she doesn't really work as like the scary lieutenant character because this is the first time we've really seen her, other than like in a newspaper article, and she just seems kind of dumb uh and it doesn't you know this isn't like darth vader turning on his lightsaber finally right like after we've already seen him like choke a guy out and like loom around and 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 be a big scary badass for half a movie she just sort of like appears and like immediately fucks up the plan she's more like charlie from always sunny doing like the wild card thing and jumping out of the car than like a villain (laughs) right like she's she's really not very intimidating she's just sort of like uh, like just off doing her own thing i i don't i don't feel like she provides a great reason why these grown adults can't get an orb from these teens do they not have any spells could they not have snuck up on him like i I don't quite understand the logistics here and it tries to like push it off on like, Oh, Bellatrix gave it all away. It's so funny that she tries to do like Accio orb or whatever. Mm, good thing. Harry learned Protego. Right. And it, but, but the, the description of that where it's saying like, Oh, it like slipped out of his fingers, but he, he was too fast for that. Cause he's a good seeker or whatever. Um, did, could no one else why didn't they try that again ever like when it when like when neville had it in his pocket or any other moment than than the first time where it didn't work i love that it that's one of those like great lampshading moments where like it i appreciate the effort to lampshade it but (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't cover it up enough right like like if 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 Lucius was was going to be barking orders all through this chapter, could he at least have done like, no, don't do Accio because what if he shoots it with a spell while it's flying to you or something? Which is like very mm. terrible dialogue, but it's no different than anything else he says in this chapter, really, which is all like oddly specific expository dialogue aimed at Harry. Maybe these maybe all the Death Eaters are like AD and D wizards and like Accio is like your you oh. know, you have they have to rest like it's you your only... once a day cantrip like exactly yeah that's entirely possible I yeah she blew I, it. I also love that Harry spends two pages coming up with a plan and it's the plan is to we should smash all the orbs Hermione smash the orbs smash the orbs what smash yeah, like, the what is... orbs <laughs> what I also love that that's something that he had to come up with. Hermione is simply too too dumb to figure out that maybe we should smash the orbs. Which also, again, I don't really understand what kind of cover that's providing because they they yell per, they yell reducto or whatever, and they fuck the shelves up. But uh, uh, like, like, is that like a smoke grenade? Like, are they just like are they are they falling through? Are they running through all the? The prophecy ghosts it doesn't really say why that's such a good a genius plan for harry to say to, to come up with i it it really worked though i'm excited sure to worked. see it in the movie can't wait um did you enjoy how many versions of uh uh 
non-lethal laser spell were in this chapter? I think it is so lame that you can dodge the killing spell. <laughs> yeah. I I it's it is such a like bad spell to exist in the universe because it's, you know, it's power creep, right? Like you can't have power word death just a- as just like say two words and it's over right like i like i feel like the solution to this is really that like the spell needs to be way harder to do or take way more time or take a lot of like planning and setup and on Mm -hmm. and on and and the fact that it is two words that you can say and the only like real catch is that like you have to mean it but it's okay you can dodge it yeah sucks so bad it's really stupid i think i want to say or maybe this is entirely me misremembering i want to say that in like book seven or something we get a like addendum to the like the rules of avada kedavra that it like uses like your soul energy and in, in like the similar way to like a horcrux does right I think it's um, how you make them, right? Like you have to kill someone with that spell, oh, and then there's some, some additional steps you can take okay. to split your soul and make a Horcrux. Okay, and there might so be some even... more stuff where it's like, oh, if you use it, you'll never be the same. Like it mars your soul or whatever. Yeah, it, it, that would at least. I think that would help at least to make that more prominent. But the fact that it really is just like the green gun spell that is the alternate that is the alternative to the uh, red gun spells that also can kill you if you get hit with too many of them or whatever is really it's really just kind of lame this this is a weird this is this is such a weird action sequence to have where like all of the spells that are being used i guess are like defined by the book but they don't really uh they don't really like do anything like this this doesn't do anything interesting with most of the spells like we have what is it? We've got Reducto, which knocks the shells over. We've mm-hmm. got Stupefy, which knocks you over. Knock, We've got, knocks you over, maybe knocks you out, but if you get hit too many of them, you will die, maybe. Maybe. We, you have Expelliarmus, which knocks your arm about around, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. We have... I think there's like one, there was like an unnamed spell that like knocked people into walls. Everything is just force push. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit, I was like intrigued a little bit by the spell that the Death Eater hit Hermione with because it was like described as like a purple, mysterious purple flame. And she was like knocked out. But I'm like, how is that different than Stupefy, first of all? (laughs) Second of all, why not do that more? Third, why not do the kill one? I um I had a moment where I f- where I like briefly until it said the thing about the purple flame. I was like, oh, is this like the stealth introduction of Sectum Sempra? Because the the motion the Death Eater does is described as a sword slash. And I was oh, like, oh, I didn't notice that. And I was like, oh, cool, finally a a, a, a spell that I know that's that's cool. Um. But no, he's just casting Shadow Word Pain on her. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> just just doing, just applying a dot to Hermione before they run out of the room, I suppose. It not, it not only implies a dot to Hermione, um, but it takes her out of the book. <laughs> She's done. That's it. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think she gets anything else to do until the, like, 
the end of the book probably right yeah like, i don't think so i think she's probably like around right like I, i'm yeah. sure that we see her again probably right before the end like she probably visits visits them in the hospital or is in the hospital or whatever but she's done you solved that it. was it <laughs> she's gonna pop up and say you solved it at the very end yeah it's just i mean like we're, we're this this might sound really nitpicky like if if you didn't read this chapter along with us but like it's really difficult to think of much else to talk about the middle section of this chapter because it 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 is just them running from room to room and then like doing a little cover shooter sequence where they have to hide behind a desk or a wall or whatever and deal with the death eater who is shooting a spell at them it's very i i i really am now on full alert for like the way these books are written now that the movies exist like mm. in 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 the timeline that this was being made right like yeah like was was she was, was jk rowling either consciously or unconsciously thinking in terms of what was filmable uh by the time she got to books uh five six and seven uh, and i i'm very curious about that i just i don't think this book needed an action sequence you know they'll add no. that to the movie no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, it is. It is very weird here, especially because it is. You know, there there's some vi- there's some kind of like more graphic violence in here, but the, um, the thing that is so odd to me about this is one of our major complaints with this this story as a whole has been how like weird the tone is and like how it keeps whiplashing between being. Uh, like a like a dark espionage novel and a, and a kids fantasy book right but this doesn't feel like it fits in either tone this is such a like th- this has like jason Bourne energy like like th- this is a th- this is a like blockbuster summer movie action chase sequence that like i'm not i'm not against it but it 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 doesn't really it's not a satisfying payoff to the weird department of mysteries dream teasing right like like if 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 i was reading this for the first time uh, rather than like reading it again and knowing where the book was going if you told me that like the the end game of these cool dreams where harry keeps seeing a hallway and a door and an orb was a like (laughs) was a cover shooter sequence i would just stop reading probably I would just be like, okay, these books aren't for me. <laughs> it really um, makes me think of Goblet of Fire, which I had its problems for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like it was thematic and was very Harry Potter, like Harry Potter at its best. Um, the way Cedric died. Right, yes. because it, it there was no action sequence. He just died. He was just mm-hmm. murdered because that's and and I felt like that was an impactful moment because that's what the book books are often trying to say. Right, yeah. is that you you just die. Right, like there's yeah. no there's no cover shooter. There's none of that. People no die heroics. and they're yeah. gone. Right, and and yeah. it's like they're kids and and they were playing a game and it's like oh. 
that's what it is. I'm like, I'm like putting it together right now. Mm-hmm, is it that that mm-hmm. was like the, this huge thing in Goblet of Fire was that the, the the book was structured around a game and someone died at the end and the game was over. And that was the theme of that book. And Harry right. Potter kind of more widely is Harry is like, it, I mean, it's a coming of age story. It's very corny. It's very dorky, all of that. But this one, it's like our dark espionage story and we're back. And this whole sequence felt like a game. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, actually, it, it is a cool game. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, like like all this, you know, there there is an element where, and, and like, I guess, like, it still gets there in a roundabout way with Sirius's death, but yeah. you're right in that it, Did like. Do we need like, to learn that again, but less? <laughs> well, so, so here's the thing. It is a weird roundabout book because uh, Harry, this whole book, he started that, you know, he was he was doing the DA lessons. He was doing yelling Rambo quotes at all his friends, telling them that, Oh, life's not a game. This shit's for real. And then he got to the, the department of mysteries and it turns out actually, yes, it is a cool game where you run around and do, do cool cover shooter mechanics. Yeah, actually, actually it's um, a Zelda dungeon uh, and the rooms <laughs> whirl around and we have an extended chase scene. And, and it's really hard because I, I feel like the book, it tries to pull it back a couple times because Harry will think to himself or have this realization. Like there, there are these moments where it's like, Oh, this is real life. Like Hermione could be dead, but it doesn't work when actually the stuff they're doing is pretty effective right like <laughs> right yeah it isn't really this realization where harry's like oh i was an idiot i am i am way out of my league here they did pretty okay for being yeah. like outnumbered right like it it all went pretty good <laughs> yeah no there's there there's actually a really good brief moment where when the death eaters first emerge and lucius is talking to him where he has that like moment thinking to himself that he just realized he's risked his friends lives for nothing yeah is the line i think and that's a really great scene like that's a really great little line and like a a good like i guess like comeuppance for harry right like like he's been he's been so like bullheaded about this and and like he's been you know he's been going against all his friends wishes dragging them along on this adventure but then they they're they're fine because he taught them how to do cool spells actually the spells were super effective every single time these adults these adults that have access to the kill spell are really bad at doing it it turns out uh they're basically stormtroopers they can't they can't hit shit for to save their own life uh they they're wearing oh i loved there were multiple times in this chapter where a death eater was like thwarted because his mask got like rearranged (laughs) slightly and he couldn't (laughs) see through the eye holes anymore i love that actually that is so funny that is that is so good that there's just like yeah i this i this idea that like like the 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 gulf between adults and children has been such a constant like image in this series Mm -hmm. it is really funny and and like generally it has been been to be like uh you know harry learning that adulthood is 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 murky and difficult to navigate and and you know there's a certain point when you're a child where you learn that like adults aren't all trustworthy and don't all have their shit together right uh and this is such a weird accidental inverse of that where like harry has become the adult in the action sequence who can do all the cool shit and all of the 
uh, adult uh, men in the Death Eater masks are playing Halloween dress up and keep on getting their mask in front of their face and tripping over stuff and turning their head into a, a baby's head. I did not remember the baby head of Death Eater at all. Zero recollection. It is honestly like that is that is a moment where you know last week we were talking about how like like a lot of this a lot of the like department of mysteries walk through kind of felt like baby's first like lynchian nightmare or whatever mm-hmm. this this has that like like in spades because i actually think the the like concept and description of him him like falling in the jar and getting his head uh, uh like transformed is really vivid and spooky and, like, i i love i love the line where it just because it's a bell jar the whole time and then it describes his head going through it like it was a soap bubble i love yeah. that yeah it's a really bizarre little scene and it, it's very scary um but the part that ruins it is one when like his head just keeps on like getting older and younger and older and younger and then hermione's like it's time like harry, oh H- harry the jar the time room we're in the time room and then when he he emerges finally he like he like steps up and he's got the baby's head and he like lunges at harry uh and harry pulls his wand out and hermione goes no you can't fight a baby like <laughs> um hermione <laughs> confirmed would not kill baby hitler would in not this chapter. Kill baby hitler. would not <laughs> that's just such a weird lot like if 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 jk rowling didn't want to deal with the moral quandaries of harry potter fighting a baby man fine <laughs> but i feel like there are better like you could have harry like oh have a moment of pity or like like a moment of confusion or disgust at this weird image that's you know unfolding in front of him maybe not just having Hermione go like, no, Harry, you can't fight a baby. Like just really, <laughs> really bizarre. Like just, just way to, to, to convey that, that. Yeah. Uh... Why not have Harry observe something? <laughs> yeah. Harry did observe something. And then Hermione told him what it was. It's time. Oh, it's Harry. It's time. That's it's kind time. of her last big contribution in this book, isn't it? Harry's yeah, she, the time she, room, and then she gets knocked out by the purple flame spell. She identified a symbol, and then she gets critted. Wonderful. Um, so, uh, so we have the time room, but we've got to talk about the most important room of all. Mm. What's the what's the brain room all about? What's up with that, huh? <laughs> so Ron was off in the in the brain room, getting brain, and, yeah, and he was clearly very excited about it when he emerged to tell Harry all about the brain room. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he's still in there to this day. He's still in. We think he's okay though. (laughs) Yeah. He's probably fine, I guess. Okay. Yeah. There's this whole, so, so, so Ron is, is, is coming out of the the room, but he's like all, he's babbling and he's, he's acting kind of weird. Honestly, I love this part because it was a, it was a, there was a version of, of this book where that's just how Ron is. like ron ron like that there was like that's like a glimpse of normal ron from books one and two where he was like kind of dumb but very loyal and and good-hearted right like i was like oh i like this ron and then i realized that oh no he's actually like being brain 
brained here or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I am so one million thousand percent sure that the brain room only exists because J.K. Rowling caught an episode of Futurama on TV while she was really? writing. Yeah. I, I the the description of the the flying brain with the tentacles mm-hmm. is so spot on to a Futurama villain like like just 100% the same thing I mean like we know that she's watched she watches TV while she writes right like she's talked about how she she got the idea for the um the Deathly Hallows because she was watching uh the man who would be king right like <laughs> like I would not be surprised it is just yeah. so spot on and is so unscary to me because of that um I just I, I think wh- that it's frankly just very unscary. It's very stupid. What are, what is the ministry doing with the is, is are they is is this their esports division? Is this the big brain plays room? Is is this the is this the where they study like like what what does a big brain what does a big brain play look like? Yeah, this is where um you, you remember those tournaments where um people would program the best bots they could to play brood war yes and then they yes. would like set them up against each other <laughs> that's what they use these brains for <laughs> they're in the esports big brain plays this is <laughs> this is where this is where deep blue was invented uh they, exactly. they, put, the, they put the brain in the computer yeah i just i i, I don't know like the time room i guess makes sense because it's like as dumb an image as it is and as, as as basic as it is like okay i get it they're in the mystery of of time uh that they're i mean studying. i felt like that was setting up like in that to me i i was like okay because hermione made this extremely corny announcement when she realized that it's the time room we're gonna get that for each of the rooms we visited right in the last chat like we're going to go through every room in the circular room and be like oh this is the time room oh this is the mind room oh this is the the death room room. right but no they just have a room with a tank full of brains i guess well so the the weird thing is we're sort of semi-confirmed because if i remember right after sirius dies in the next chapter, Dumbledore tells Harry, like, ah, that is that's the room where the ministry studies death. Um I thought it was the execution room. So that's what I st- I and I still think that. I I the, the way that it's set up on a dais with like an you know, an observing deck or whatever, that makes the most sense to me. But I'm now remembering that I'm pretty sure Dumbledore says something that ah, they are studying the mystery of death. It also feels like it's a known thing because Lupin knows immediately, right? Yeah. There's no confusion. He's like, oh, no, he's gone. He fell into the death veil. I know he's- what that is, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Which, is, yeah, it doesn't make the Department of Mysteries seem all that secretive, really. No. Um, but, yeah, so 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 they, they have the time room where they study the mystery of time. Then they have the death room where they study the mystery of death. And then I guess they're just – they have the brain room where they're studying the mystery of brain – like nice nice what good for them what are, how can I, yeah good for <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a good department to work for i guess <laughs> i just yeah i i don't i don't get it i don't know what it's supposed to be other than like horror i guess and it feels very cheap from that perspective and i still just can't get over like them just leaving this scene with ron being attacked by tentacles and then neville just being like no I, i'm sure he's good <laughs> It did not need to be brought up again. 
I, I think that that was a realization, like that realization you make when you're writing where it's like, oh, I guess I didn't, I forgot. I left Ron uh, in the brain room. I have to tie that up. And let me tell you, the way <laughs> to do that is not to have Neville say, oh, he's probably fine. He's fine, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, he was, nothing. He was he's, still he's fighting the brain. He's extremely not fine the last time we saw him. <laughs> he was about to be eaten by a brain. But Harry Neville Neville Neville's sure he's fine. So so he's fine. We trust Neville. Neville we trust needed Neville. to be more of a character. Yeah. Like I a love lot, Neville. A lot, but... a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get to the real shit, the the piece de resistance. Uh Bellatrix has a Joker duel with Sirius and yeah. oh, just completely owns him, honestly. Yeah, the, it wasn't a whole there was there wasn't a whole lot of back it really was just like that's the best you've got oops i'm dead yeah like like <laughs> like they, they didn't have like a big cool fight or anything they didn't they didn't have like a like a like a dramatic showdown he basically just like uh you know he aggroed her and just immediately got rocked right like just just really <laughs> really did not uh did not have much of a a, a a dramatic final sequence i suppose which is a weird way which i'm like i'm not demanding that everything be an epic fight but like if you're going to spend an entire chapter setting up a chase sequence i feel like the end should probably be cool maybe i think that the answer really is neville because to make bellatrix more of a character that pretty much relies on neville being yeah. a character and the groundwork is there with neville's parents and stuff and it and it did feel like it sort of had a a little bit of a payoff with bellatrix like taunting him about it but you just that stuff needs more room to breathe there needs to be more there neville needs to have a relationship with harry more for the any of that to work i it it really just like i it's it's such a like oh, i see what you were going for it's not quite there which is too bad it's yeah it's too bad sirius has been such a good character in this book bellatrix i guess has the potential to be an interesting villain it is so frustrating to see neville be squandered this way when he has like maybe the most like aside from harry he has maybe the highest personal stakes mm -hmm. uh in this fight and not only that, but like him and Harry have a shared past here. Uh, like Harry and Neville have like a shared trauma, like like with the Voldemort stuff. Um, and Harry just never really gives them the time of day, honestly. And and not in a way where like that's an examined character trait. It's just like Neville shows up when it's convenient for him to show up and be important for the story because joe decided so right like there's nothing there's nothing keeping him there uh uh which is which is a bummer like because he he is a he has such potential i like him a lot i i just you know 800 and or i guess like 785 or so pages in i can't figure out what this book has spent so much time on yeah I, I guess stuff happening to characters we don't care about, right? Even even this scene, even when it comes down to the big action sequence, nothing scary happens to... Like, there are so many unnamed characters where 
like stuff is happening. Do you do you know who the baby death baby headed Death Eater is? I I'm sure he is named once, but I could not tell you. I couldn't either. Um, I laughed out loud at this line, like from from the very beginning, um, which is when Lucius is having like the back and forth with with Harry. And Harry's like putting the pieces together um, and and has gone back and is like, why didn't you have Voldemort go to the Department of Mysteries? And then Harry says, so he's got you doing his dirty work for him, has he? Like he tried to get Sturgis to steal it and Bode? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, Sturgis Podmore and Broderick Bode riding again into our hearts. You solved it, Harry. You solved it. Yeah, it's it's so silly. Like, why why can't any of this stuff? I mean, like, like let's name all the like things that uh, happen to people: baby head spell, mm. brain getting, uh, 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 shadow word pain. Yep. Uh, getting stabbed in the eye with a wand. So that happened Guns- to McNair. That happened to B- McNair. Yeah. Why can't any of this happen to characters who will show up again? <laughs> I just like 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 Ron is the closest thing, right? Except that he we we learn that there's nothing to be afraid of because Neville walks in and says like, "Yeah, he's still fighting the brain. He's fine though." Like so, no one, no one of any consequence uh, has anything bad happen to them except Sirius, and it just kind of happens in an instant. What if Lucius had a baby head from now on? Yeah, what if Lucius had a baby head or Lucius got his eye? What if Lucius got his eye poked out and had a cool eye patch from now on? That'd be so cool. And he would, and he was like pissed at Harry because like he because we know Lucius likes his face. He's right, very pretty. And he's like, first you free my house elf. Now you free my eyeball. <laughs> he hates that. Right. Yeah, there's there's potential there. I just I just don't care to to know that like McNair got his his eyeball stabbed or or unnamed Death Eater twenty seven uh, got his head shrunk because like ultimately who are those people like I, wh- I I think that like even the book had to prompt us to remember McNair I remember who McNair is uh, but it was just like oh it's the Death Eater that that tried to kill Buckbeak. Oh, right. Like, yeah, no, it like, does well, say specifically who it is. Yeah. Well, we didn't you know. see that. And also, like, I'm, I'm not, like, we knew that was bad, but it was also just like, I don't know, he came to put down an animal, which, like, that's not a, that's not a very nice job, I guess. <laughs> also, it didn't happen because they went back in time and undid it. Right. Yeah. So... <laughs> It's a weird, a weird thing to hold against him, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm very medium on like the what happens, and also like I, here's I think this is my biggest disappointment with this chapter is if you're going to go all out with a big action sequence for an entire chapter, I feel like you've at least gotta go for it and. You know, this is something we've talked about a lot in regards to both the films and the books. But the wands as lasers thing is disappointing every time it manifests because the the brief glimpses we get in this chapter of like actual magical cruelty are actually really spooky 
uh, and and creative and in like I I can't stop thinking about how much cooler a more in depth uh, you know magic system could be that didn't just have the stun and gun spells. Like there's the moment where where a guy makes Neville dance uncontrollably, mm-hmm. and like that's pretty fucked up, right? Like like that's yeah. a weird that's a weird thing to do. Like that's pretty interesting. Um, there's the whole thing with the Imperious Curse that we keep getting told about being the most fucked up, scary thing you can do, but it's only really uh, shown up. The one time the Imperious Curse got used in Goblet of Fire was on Victor Crumb so he could then go and do the stun spell on people. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, I'm sitting here and, like, you know, I I, I I, I, don't presume to correct or edit all of J.K. Rowling's work, except I totally do. Uh, Bellatrix Lestrange is known for being, like, a, a sadistic, like, torturer. Uh, why not make Harry watch Sirius walk through the veil under the Imperious Curse? Like... Ah, oh, that'd be fucked up. All the tools are there. Like, this is what drives me crazy is that they're like, even with as uh, as boring as shit like Avada Kedavra are, there's still a toolbox in the Harry Potter canon for much more interesting action stuff that just never gets used because everyone just has the stun guns. And it's and it's a bummer. Like, I know I know that I, I bring this up every time this conversation comes up, but like you can do really interesting compelling action and and stuff with magic uh in stories that isn't just like punch and gun like i mean like i'm always thinking about how cool like uh, the the avatar cartoon is right like like that has really cool creative uses uh, for stuff for uh, uh for like you know all the the earth bending and, and water bending and shit like they come up with really interesting ways to like have that m- conveyed in an action sequence whereas here it's just like they run behind the wall they wait for the guy to stop saying stupefy so they can pop out and say stupefy or do the <laughs> crucio spell or do the like the fact that like okay the fact that killing and torture are both codified by one spell each ruins the entire thing i think i think that's kind of what i'm building to here is like just delete those spells because it would be so much scarier to like torture people with the imperious curse or the dancing spell or whatever like there's so many weird creepy things the death eaters could do to make them actually scary beyond just like well they have no qualms using the gun spell which shrug yeah it just doesn't make it feel unique or like much like anything mm-hmm. it, it has no character to it yes yeah a hundred percent which is too bad yeah. uh because i i think that because you're right like my initial reaction to all of this was like did this really need an action sequence but you're right there 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 is a toolbox of of like a way to make it more characterful also scarier and also more interesting um, yeah and that way is like having them not just do a cover shooter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a bummer. I, um, I want, I mean, I guess the battle of Hogwarts is going to be like this times 10, which I'm, I'm 
Yeah, I, I, I everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to die. But I just don't remember. I don't know if we get another chapter quite like this. And I hope we don't because <laughs> she can't. She can't do this. The, the these action, this, this, this big, this big James Bond chase sequence just does not fit here and does not utilize the her own canon in any interesting ways. And uh, it's uh, it's just kind of a wet fart. I don't know. Yeah, I think she really does like like pulpy action movies. Yeah, which is fine. So do I. Yeah. Is this really the place for 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 gun chase scene? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I yeah no, I I love a good uh, a, a good action movie. Um, I mean, we watched the best action movie on our on our bonus show. We watched uh, Taylor Lautner's Abduction. Um, you know, a masterclass uh, in in action filmmaking. Absolutely, uh, and uh, yeah, I just I, I don't know this uh, this doesn't stack up. This this chapter does not stack up to um, uh, Taylor Lautner sliding down the football stadium and nearly getting hit in the groin by a by a uh, dividing pole. <laughs> uh, can we re- rewind once again to mm-hmm. um, Harry's conversation with Lucius Malfoy uh, yes. right right at the beginning? I keep remembering stuff that I want to bring up from that um, <laughs> because it yeah. really is just like kind of the uh, every single one of these books has a character explaining what the plan was. And, and this is kind of that. Um, how did you like that Lucius Malfoy basically told Harry that he didn't have a motivation uh, for this entire book like it, it is the reveal that he's like oh you didn't know about the prophecy so you didn't care about it and i'm like oh damn <laughs> me either <laughs> yeah bold move definitely uh he it, that that really felt like a uh looking at the audience moment like like oh i maybe an oopsie a little bit yeah like 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 you said about you you've said about multiple things in this book that's another scene where i just feel like if you if you get there excuse me if you get there as an author and you you find yourself sitting down to write this scene and your scene opens with a character declaring to another character damn you didn't do shit in this book and had no motivation uh you should consider that and maybe that is something that could spark some ideas for rewrites. I just don't know. I, th- th- that feels like a point of no return to me. That feels like a mm, maybe I should re- maybe I should reconsider this. Even if it was just like a little bit more intentional, I'll take a corny setup as like Harry finding out that there's something that Dumbledore is like keeping from him at the Department mm-hmm. of Mysteries and making making a conscious choice to work toward that and be like, I want to find out what that is and having yeah. more agency in that and, and being assigned. But he's just like, even with the occlumency thing, we, we, we found out like halfway through that he's like, Oh, maybe I do want to have these dreams. But if he had been more intentional about it and it just hadn't been just like a, Oh, well, I guess if Snape doesn't want to teach me anymore, then I guess I won't go anymore. <laughs> um, if if he he was working against Dumbledore this entire book because of his resentment and his his trauma from book four, like all right, that's character motivation, yeah. right? Yeah. I I guess that feels, I guess that's harsh for a kid's book, right? Like that that is the the ultimate like your character is 
is going to be punished for for doing the wrong thing throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure I am totally sold on this kind of more wishy-washy version where he's just like, eh, whatever. I guess I want to know what that orb is. <laughs> that we find out that he kind of wants to know three quarters of the way through this book with no other real plot happening at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just that's just a problem. That, I, I mean, that's not even just this book. That is uh, Goblet of Fire had this problem, too. And I think I think just shifting to these like more tome like long Harry Potter books um, has really fucked with the pacing in a weird way that has like. Um, and I don't know whether this is just like a matter of her, like not trusting the audience or a matter of like just writing in a more linear way but like there are so many concepts and images that are brought up right before they are important rather than being allowed to marinate throughout the entire book right like or in like reverse order right yes yeah 100 percent. that i mean that was the thing with the crouch uh uh stuff in in book four right was it just felt like everything we we learned all the stuff that immediately made that scene with him babbling at Harry in the woods not scary because we knew what he was talking about, right? Yeah. Um but like this is the same way. Like like the like I guess the dreams are sort of a constant throughout this book, but the orbs aren't. The orbs appeared a chapter ago. Yeah, it was uh, hallway for a really long time. It was just yeah, it was just hallway and door for a long time. The the veil as an image, as cool as that was when it was introduced, like isn't really all that impactful because it it appeared uh, essentially 15 pages before it needed to be used like like i'm god I'm, so stupid yeah put like, the like veil a, in the damn dream for yeah what if he was sakes. having yeah what if he was having dream what if instead of door hallway orb dream <laughs> He kept on having this dream where he's like walking through a hallway and he opens a door and he finds this veil. And every time he gets to the veil, he tries to reach out for it or walk through it and like wakes up and he can't figure out what's behind the veil. And it drives him crazy for the whole book, all 800 pages of it. Like (laughs) that's a, that's a, that's a motivation. That's a story. Right. But instead the veil got introduced literally a chapter ago before it needed to be used and it's like okay well there it is i guess that's what it was there for it was there to kill sirius the end i don't think we ever see it again no i I remember after this book came out like there was a lot of talk like i mean you know everyone goes online they're writing essays they're making fan theories all of that and it was like what is the significance of the veil are we gonna see it again are we gonna see sirius again like what is it gonna be used for what is it you know like all of that stuff we're never gonna see it again it was nothing it was it was kill serious curtain right yeah the department of mysteries has such cool potential to be like this had the potential to be like 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 goblet of fire we talked about how many moments sort of felt like it was hinting at harry crossing over into a new understanding of just how uh dark the wizarding world could be right Mm-hmm. um we like the wood the wood sequence that i still really like from the beginning uh um the 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 very on the nose but still very cool uh gas metaphor 
that like flips his Misfit life upside down. Turns your life topsy turvy. Yeah. Um, and like this, like like this idea that like the department, uh, the or the Ma- the Ministry of Magic has the SCP files hanging out in in the in the basement or whatever is really fucking cool, honestly. Um, but it doesn't ever really come up like this isn't harry uncovering the jfk assassination right like like there's no there's no moment here where harry sees something in the department of mysteries that like completely shatters his faith in the government that's been slowly eroding over these books uh he just sort of sees sees the veil and and sirius falls through it and that's that yep and that's all there is and that's that's just a bummer. I don't know. There's there's so much potential here, uh, like creepy government agency stuff, and he just he just falls through the veil and dies, and then we never see the veil again. And it was just there to kill him. He was just it was literally just there for him to have something to fall backwards through, which is really weird and unnecessary, given that uh, Bellatrix also we know that Bellatrix knows the the death spell so <laughs> right like, oh yeah she knows that one she knows that one but you know really it's, it sounds like she's got that one down pat so it wasn't even like she needed to stupefy him i guess she just did it because the veil was there and it would be cooler i don't know just just a just a, a waste all around really yeah i forgot this book had politics at the beginning <laughs> yeah the, the politics are that the government is good if the good guys are in charge <laughs> The government is good if the good guys are in charge. If the good guys have access to the brain room, everything is fine. Exactly. <laughs> if the bad guys, if the bad guys are in the brain room, you better watch out. Only assholes are getting brain these days. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, what a chapter. Have you got anything else on this one or should we take a break? I'm trying to think of something nice to say. Um something nice to say just challenging myself a little bit yeah you know uh, like the, the say something nice about umbridge challenge right say something nice about the action sequence challenge right order the phoenix um i think it was sort of cool although it is mostly <laughs> funny when dumbledore shows up and he's basically like Sauron in the first Lord of the Rings movie at the beginning where he's just like swatting guys around left and right. And Harry's like, oh, we're saved. The old guy's here. Is it is it <laughs> is it weird to you when Dumbledore arrives and he is so clearly that archetype and you realize that he's the wizard archetype in a world where everyone is wizards? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a lot harder to like. Yeah, it's not exactly like Gandalf appearing, you know, on the uh, at the you know the third day of Battle of Helm's Deep or whatever, and they're like, oh, fucking finally the wizards here. It's like, well, everyone here is ninety percent wizard. He's just a good one. He's just like really good at being a wizard. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that is that is a good point. I'd not really considered it like that, but you're right. It is really kind of confused i suppose it's uh yeah it's hard it's hard to hard to make that archetype work in a story where the entire impetus for the wizard school is we're going to teach you how to be that cool wizard 
Right. But I feel like, and that that's the other thing is like, is this the first time other than I guess Goblet of Fire, which had a lot of kind of other stuff going on, I suppose, in the scene um, uh, with like the wands connecting stuff. But this is kind of our first like real, like, oh, we're seeing what adult wizards do. And it sucks. <laughs> Right, like it's, just, yeah. it's like oh, they're not actually that good. And Dumbledore is the is the wizard archetype in this yeah. world of wizards who just aren't very, like have gun spell and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is very silly. So in light of that, I guess I don't have anything nice to say about this chapter, really. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> well, what a we bummer. Tried. What? A, yeah, it was good. It's good to at least try um so i think we should take a, a short break and then we will return with some more writing to say uh that will be very difficult to say nice things about what do you say great Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, uh, a parody novel about Joe Biden and Barack Obama teaming up to solve mysteries uh, throughout time or whatever the fuck. Uh, and it was in a, and it was in that Refinery Twenty Nine article. Is it throughout time? Is it is it a time travel novel? Oh, actually, I don't think. Okay, I'm I'm getting two things mixed up. Did you know that there are multiples of these? First of all, because uh, because you, you're right. No, it is not through time. There is another one that is Biden and Obama teaming up to do stuff with time travel, uh, but that one is a comic book, and I remember now that the differences in that one they're like given missions by neil degrasse tyson who appears as like a zordon Ugh, style critical hologram. hit on me yeah. jesus christ yeah okay <laughs> uh yeah but no so this is not that one this is i guess i guess the ones that this guy writes are uh, are just straight up uh mystery novels but then i i just could not stop thinking about it uh the the idea of of Joe Biden fan fiction is so grotesque to me that I had to find out what was going on there, right? Sure. Um and and I found out that the the Andrew Schaefer, the author who was interviewed in that in that piece that we talked about last week is sort of I I guess a, a known entity in the parody game. Um he Oh, is this is parody yeah you didn't tell me it was parody yeah so it's so anything goes right what is it a parody of question mark <laughs> hmm interesting uh according to his bio on his website andrew schaefer is the new york times best-selling author of hope never dies an obama biden mystery the international best-selling parody 50 shames of earl gray and numerous other humorous works of fiction and nonfiction wonderful he is a two-time goodreads choice award nominee and a finalist in the humor category i knew i didn't trust goodreads there's a lot to unpack here first of all uh 50 shames of earl gray i really want to know what angle that parody is approaching 50 shades from because it sure seems focused on the tea thing 
but I don't know whether that's like the premise or whether that's uh, just a funny title. There's 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 layers there. Um, there's also uh, Catsby, a parody. Is that a it? Uh, let me I was I'm going to guess mm. it's the great Gatsby, but it's cats. I wish I wish that's what it was. I really wish that's what it was. Uh, <laughs> Jay-Z Catsby throws the sickest parties on the Jersey Shore. His neighbor Dick has heard all the rumors. Catsby killed a man. He's richer than Blue Ivy. He's Hugh Jackman's butt double in the X-Men movies. As Dick soon learns, the truth is far stranger. Catsby is a, quote, furry who spends his days and nights in a cat costume, pining away for Dick's cousin Dandelion, a manic pixie Brooklynite with a brutish husband. Will Catsby's romantic obsession cost him all of his nine lives? Furries just can't catch a break. <laughs> Making fun of furries in... This just came out in 2016, by the way. Uh, that's a that's powerful like to still be on the furry thing is is that's uh yeah furries are cool now they're always kind of cool well you yeah know? i i mean more in the oh yeah sure in the popular sphere yeah um, yeah we, so, sonic fox made everyone realize that, that furries were all right you know absolutely uh, um let's see we also have the aforementioned 50 shades of earl gray Young, arrogant tycoon Earl Grey seduces the naive co-ed Anna Steele with his overpowering good looks and staggering amounts of money. But will she be able to get past his 50 shames, including shopping at Walmart on Saturdays, bondage with <laughs> uh, bondage with handcuffs? Damn. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. And his love of BDSM. Separate, I, I guess. <laughs> Oh, sorry. And then it continues. Bards, dragons, sorceries, and magic. Oh, oh wait. So D&D is cool now, too. Yeah, D&D is also cool now. So, <laughs> Or will his dark secrets and constant constant smirking drive her over the edge? Uh, that's, mm, that's powerful. How about The Telltale Hard-On by Edgar Allan Poe? Really? <laughs> <laughs> In the telltale hard-on, Edgar Allan Poe, a.k.a. Andrew Schaefer, digs up several of Edgar Allan Poe's best-loved stories and gives them a makeover. In the telltale hard-on, a college girl seduces her elderly landlord. Things go awry when his heart gives out and the co-ed must dispose of the body, only to be haunted by his ghostly erection. Why? <sighs> In the purple death... Pole reimagines the Mask of the Red Death as a post-apocalyptic orgy inside Prince's fortified Paisley Park compound. Uh, and in the pit and the pendulous ball sack, a condemned man is tortured in a terrifyingly perverse manner. Is there a Harry Potter one? Oh, I wish. I don't think there is, though. Justin Bieber first tweets to forever my memoir. Now, I'm noticing something. Mm. These all seem like parodies to me. Mm -hmm. Not good ones. Mm -hmm. Not particularly laser focused or anything. Mm -hmm. In mm -hmm. fact, most of the time, it seems that they rely mostly on thinking of a, I hesitate to say clever name, but, you know, thought of a name 
and yeah. it kind of happening like that. That kind of sets all of this apart from the Barack Obama, Joe Biden thing, which seems much more just like straight up celeb fan fiction. Yeah. Well, let's read the descriptions for the for the uh, the Obama ones, because uh, maybe they are parodies of something specific and we're just not getting it yet. Uh, Vice President Joe Biden and President Barack Obama team up in this high stakes thriller that combines a mystery worthy of Watson and Holmes with the laugh out loud romantic chemistry of lethal weapon. Uh, Vice President Joe Biden is fresh out of the White House and feeling adrift when his favorite railroad conductor dies in a suspicious accident, leaving behind an ailing wife and a trail of clues to unravel the mystery. Amtrak Joe reteams with the only man he's ever trusted, the 44th President of the United States. Together, they'll plumb the darkest corners of Delaware, traveling from cheap motels to biker bars and beyond as they uncover. Oh, right. Yes, of course. This ends with the uncover the sinister forces advancing America's opioid epidemic. It's in very good taste. Yeah. Uh, part noir thriller and part bromance. Hope Never Dies is essentially the first public work, uh, published work of Obama Biden fan fiction and a cathartic read to anyone distressed by the current state of affairs. So, no. So, this is not a parody of anything specific. It is just a, a bad buddy comedy book what about the second hmm. one uh in the sequel the new york times bestseller obama and biden reprise their roles as bffs turned detective as they chase obama's stolen cell phone through the mean streets of chicago and right into a vast conspiracy following just a, low... buy a new cell phone <laughs> obama you can afford a cell phone they can they can just turn it they can turn it off they can stop service to it wait oh wait is this is this okay this was published this year this is a new book uh this came out a month ago actually Mm. um what i'm wondering is if in in the year of our lord 2019 this guy wrote a book hinging on the obama phone thing do you even fucking remember obama phone no like it was a thing it okay this this is getting into like the craziest weeds of dumb shit that happened in like 2009 and 10 but like do you remember when obama had this proposal that was like we're gonna give senior citizens free jitterbug phones oh yeah i do remember that and all the conservative talk show hosts were like ah it's the obama phone yes uh how could i forget is that in 2019 is this a book that hinges on the obama phone i'm so curious uh following a long but successful book tour joe biden has one more stop before he can return home chicago his old pal barack has invited him to meet a wealthy benefactor whose endorsement could turn the tide for joe if he decides to run for president oh i love this oh i love this so much the two friends barely have time to catch up before another mystery lands in their laps. Obama's pl- prized Blackberry is stolen. When their number one suspect winds up full of lead on the south side, the police are content to write it off as just another gangland shooting. But Joe and Obama smell a rat. Uh, set against the backdrop of a raucous city on St. Patrick's Day, Joe and Obama race to find the shooter, only to uncover a vast conspiracy that goes deeper than the waters of Lake Michigan, which is exactly where they'll spend the rest of their retirement if they're not careful. Hmm. So, as you can tell, we have a we have a smorgasbord here uh, to choose from. What do we want to read? What do we want to? Oh, I'm sorry. Hang on. We have one more option here. He also did a Donald Trump one. No, he did a Donald Trump one uh, in 2016. 
Uh, ever conscious of his hugely important historical legacy, President Donald Trump plucks d- disgraced tabloid reporter Jimmy Burnwood, the man responsible for publishing the infamous tes- Ted Cruz sex tape, from the depths of am- anonymity to become his official biographer, giving him enviable access to the gold-plated White House and all of its secrets. When Trump's previous biographer turns up dead, Burnwood must do some real investigative reporting, get to the bottom of a long series of murders, and if it's absolutely unavoidable, save the country. The day of the Donald donald trump trump's america is a hilariously hair-raising look at the future of america i don't want to hear anything about that ever again <laughs> not yeah he's already forgotten no mm, yeah that's a yikes that's brutal that's that's well okay so i i guess i guess that one's off the table but what are we going to read the free sample of got catsby we've got hope never dies we've got hope rides again we've got the telltale hard on there's so many options here 50 shames of earl gray i could never choose you okay. are going to have to take on this burden okay let's take a look let's see if we can get a, a sample of uh 50 shames of earl gray what's this like <sighs> i growl with frustration at my reflection in the mirror my hair is 50 shades of messed up you can't do that. I'm just going to I'm two sentences in. That's not parody writing. You can't just you can't just say 50 shades over again. Why is it so kinky and out of control? Again, you can't can't do that. This is what parody books are. Uh, I need to slop, stop sleeping with it wet as I brush my long brown hair. The girl in the mirror with brown eyes too big for her head stare back at me. Who? Okay uh good we're we're off to a really rollicking start here with these uh words that definitely make sense in this order i i feel like nobody reads these books not these ones specifically but i think that the parody book market operates entirely as like a joke gift right yes as as like a i don't think think we might be the first ones to read this ever okay i'm very sorry i need to read this whole paragraph again because you're really not ready for how this opens. Mm-mm. I growl with frustration at my reflection in the mirror. My hair is 50 shades of messed up. Why is it so kinky and out of control? I need to stop sleeping with it wet. As I brush my long brown hair, the girl in the mirror with brown eyes too big for her head stares back at me. Wait, my eyes are blue. It dawns on me that I haven't been looking into the mirror. I've been staring at a poster of Kristen Stewart for five minutes. My own hair is fine. What? What's the joke? Can you explain the joke to me, please? I don't know. I'm I'm truly baffled. The situation I'm in, however, is still Fifty Shades of Messed Up. My roommate Kathleen has the brown bottle flu. What a bee. And it doesn't say, this isn't me censoring it. It just says, what a bee. Mm. She was supposed to be the one interviewing the mega corporate beefcake for Boardroom Hotties magazine. Since she's too busy throwing up buckets of puke into the toilet... (laughs) oh i hate it when that happens i hate Mm -hmm. when i'm busy throwing up buckets of puke into the toilet uh i'm i've been volunteered to do her dirty work i am mere weeks away from graduating from college with a liberal arts bachelor's degree instead of studying (laughs) for my final exams though i'm about to ride my bike three and a half hours from portland oregon to downtown seattle that is not a three and a half hour bike ride that is a bike yes I'm about to ride my bike three and a half hours from Portland to downtown Seattle. <laughs> Is it a joke? 
That's like a three and a half hour drive. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good drive. That's making good time for a drive. That is not a, a bike ride. Uh, the interview can't be rescheduled, Kathleen says, because Mr. Gray's time is precious and oh so valuable. Like I, mine isn't, as I said, my roommate is a total B. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I can't read all this in order because it is going to kill me. But I'm I'm noticing something on the back here. Wonderful. I'm here to say see Mr. Gray Gray. I say my name is Anna Steele. I'm filling in for Kathleen Craven. Good names. Just a minute, Miss Steele, the receptionist says, checking her computer. I wish I had borrowed one of Kathleen's suit jackets for the interview. Standing here in this big building in front of this professionally dressed woman, I felt naked in my Tommy hoodie and Victoria's Secret sweatpants with pink written across the ass. The sweatpants aren't pink, though. They're gray. This always confuses me when I put them on, because shouldn't they say gray on the backside? Maybe Victoria's Secret is that she's colorblind. This has such powerful Maddox energy. Holy shit. Yeah, it really does. Uh, the receptionist glances up from her computer. Please sign in, Miss Steele, she says, pushing a clipboard with an attached pen across the desk to me. You'll want to take the elevator to the 90th floor. I stare at her blankly. We don't have elevators in Portland. This will be my first elevator ride. How do they work exactly? What? What is the joke there? She smiles. The elevator car that you ride in is suspended by a steel rope, which is looped around a grooved pulley called a sheave. An electric motor rotates the sheave, raising and lowering the elevator car. What is happening? That's That's fascinating, I say. Can I operate it myself? Elevators are very simple to operate. Once you're inside, you just have to press the button that says 90. She says as I sign in, there's a hint of sarcasm in her voice, but I let it slide. They're probably not used to dealing with Hicks from Portland. Who does, does this guy been to Portland? I feel like there's a joke that I'm missing here. Yeah. What is Port? Is the joke that like Portland isn't a big city and doesn't have tall buildings? But like, that's the only thing I can think of, but I don't know if that's a stereotype of Portland that exists. I have to assume that there's some sort of running joke that she's from like a different Portland. Like is she from like I, Portland, Maine? But I don't like <sighs> the reception hands me uh, here we go. The receptionist hands me a security badge that reads Virgin. Is it that obvious? How did you know? What? That that you're a first time visitor here at the Earl Grey Corporation? Relax, she says, winking. I was just as nervous as you when I first met her. I can't deal with this anymore. This okay, is going. I, I need to know. I need to know <laughs> if the Biden one reads like a normal novel. Yeah, let's. Yeah, let's. Or let's, is I it just all jokes? I cannot that deal I don't with this. understand. So we're going to leave. We're leaving Fifty Shames of Earl Grey behind. Let's check out the Biden one. Uh, Biden, Biden, show me. Show me a sample, please. Bum, bum, bum. The night this all started, I was in a black Irish mood, and that was before I learned my friend was dead. I was sitting at my computer, and I'd stumbled across one of those so-called paparazzi videos. It opened with a wide shot of Cape Town's fabled Table Mountain. The camera panned down to the white cat waves in the harbor. An impossibly long speedboat entered the frame, cutting through the surf like buttered bullet. 
A parasailer trailed behind the boat high in the sky, tethered to the stern by a thin rope. The camera zoomed in on the daredevil's face, and I saw that my old friend Barack Obama was having the time of his life. <laughs> Unencumbered by his deadweight loser vice president, 44 was on the vacation to end all vacations, windsurfing on Richard Branson's private island, kayaking with Justin Trudeau, base jumping in Hong Kong with Bradley Cooper, Barack wasn't simply tempting the fates, he was daring them. And why not? If he could survive eight long years as the first black U.S. president, he could survive anything. Not that I was worried about him. I was done getting worked up over Barack Obama. I forced myself to look away from the computer. I turned to face the dartboard on the back wall of my office. Is he horny? (laughs) He's horny for Barack. Uh, it was an old Christmas gift for my daughter. I'd kept it in the storage in storage for many years, but now I finally had some free time on my hands. Maybe too much free time. One call, I said to my faithful companion, Champ. Is that too much to ask? The dog glanced up with indifference. He'd heard it all before. Just one phone call, I said. With a snap of the wrist, I sent the dart sailing across the room. It hit its mark right between Bradley Cooper's piercing blue eyes. So I guess the answer is yes, this is more of like a novel, I suppose. Yeah, like it really, I mean... It's very stupid, but it is. It isn't that weird parody book style. Right. Every sentence a joke. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. The, yeah. This. This isn't like a Maddox post. This is a. This is a. a I suppose a, a. A real story, written like a novel for the most part. Um. But. So okay. So I guess I guess there's been some growth there uh i just wait oh man this is quite a long sample what kind of devil's curse is this is this man under that this is, is this author this under is what, yes uh well so i have a couple of facts for you here uh he he teaches writing classes which as we can oh, definitely geez. see he is oh, very no. very qualified to do um uh the the Catsby book, uh, I guess, first appeared on Wattpad. So he's a Wattpad uh, author who found success. A really distinguished, distinguished group. He has appeared as a guest on NPR, Fox News, and CBS. And so, you know, so both sides. Sure. Yeah, he's got ooh his bibli. So his his it's it's interesting. His book section that I was looking at, where I was getting the Catsby and Day of the Donald and Fifty Shames, etc. Um, only listed those, but his bibliography, if I go to his bio, lists some even more cursed things that I just can't imagine uh, are are any good. I'm zooming in here really uh, uh uh clearly on the summer of 82 poems writing as bart o'kavanaugh there is no way that this is not the most tasteless book ever published like what the fuck there's I, there's what what is what is this guy what is this guy's angle what is what I mean, like, I guess the, 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 the Donald one seemed like mostly like anti Donald, but like not not he seems kind of coddling, honestly. It, it, I, I guess this is just opportunism. Like, oh, this thing is in the news. I bet I can write a parody of it and make a bunch of money. That's like basically the the the, 
the read that I have on on this. That is so strange. That is that is very cursed. It's Where's very the Harry dark. Potter parody? Yeah, why has he not got a par- Harry Potter one? I'm very, very upset that he has not uh, uh, deigned to um, uh, to parody the book that we are covering here. When he's got such, he has multiple fifty for, uh, uh, first shades. Uh, excuse me. He has multiple Fifty Shades parodies. Uh, I'm just seeing he has one called Fifty First Times. Then he also has a Zombies parody. He has one called In the Raptors Dungeon, writing as Nicholas Sparks in Gay Dinosaur Billionaire Adventures. What? <laughs> I, am all, I am all for poking fun at Nicholas Sparks. Is that the way? Yeah, you know that thing that Nicholas Sparks loves, uh, Gay Dinosaurs. I am I am truly baffled by this. Let's um let's wrap this up. I I said we would we couldn't read anymore because it was hurting my brain, but like I am now poisoned in such a way that I need to find out more about the Fifty Shades one. Sure. Let's see. What's a good place to Oh, Mr. Gray will see you now. The receptionist calls to me from behind her desk. I pick up my backpack and notebook and check my hoodie pocket for the mini disc recorder still there i leave the gravy okay <laughs> what no no okay hold on I, I i i was looking i just chose a paragraph that looked like a, a good place to start but i am now realizing as i skim back over to see what they were talking about with the gravy thing uh i need to back up way further here the blonde returns miss Steele. yes i say in a deeper voice than usual trying to mask my crisis of confidence mr gray will see you in a few minutes would you like a refreshment while you wait coffee soda tea gravy i say it's supposed to be a joke but the woman nods and heads back down the corridor a minute later she returns with a clear pint glass filled with gravy what's the joke this author doesn't know what jokes are before I can ask for water instead, the office door connected with the lobby swings open and a handsome African-American gentleman exits. Jay-Z! Turning and pointing a finger back through the door, the rapper says, Nine holes this week. I assume he's talking about golf, but my mind starts to drift to thoughts of other holes. <sighs> <laughs> Jay-Z winks at me as he passes on his way to the elevator. My phone buzzes. It's a text message from Beyonce, warning to keep my hands off her man. Whatever. Mr. Gray will see you now. The receptionist calls out from behind the desk. I pick up my backpack and notebook. Blah, blah, blah. I leave my gravy. Uh, I should be back in Portland studying for my finals. Yet here I am doing Kathleen's dirty work. I'm going to murder her if Beyonce doesn't kill me first. I push the door open and trip over the hem of my sagging sweatpants in one swift, clumsy motion. As I careen towards the floor, my body reflexively reverts to gymnast mode. I drop the backpack and notebook, throw my arms out straight, and roll into a cartwheel. With the momentum picked up from tripping, I complete three full cartwheels before landing on my feet on Mr. Gray's desk. I am so embarrassed at my clumsiness that I close my eyes. Wait, someone is clapping? I open my eyes and stare down at Mr. Gray and holy mother effing sparkly vampires, is he hot? What is happening? This is a fever dream. Who is this for? Uh, I think I'm, I'm kind of with you on like the parody books are written solely to be a gag gift and no one actually reads these. 
because how could anyone have read this decided uh, uh, it should be published? And then later on when the same author who wrote about Jay-Z emerging from the, the the door and wanting to destroy the main character's holes uh, said, yeah, I can't wait to see what your Obama and Biden fanfic is like. I will publish that for sure. I got nothing. (laughs) I, Oh boy. I'm just, can I, is there, is there a sex scene in here? I'd love to know how this guy writes sex scenes. Uh, nope, but there is this Jin and I have been friends since we were freshmen, though. We've never dated. He's graduating this year as well. He's a communications major, but no one is really sure that qualifies him to do after college. Like me, he's clueless about the real world. He's holding a 40 ounce bottle of old English. Good news. He says I've been promoted to forum moderator at ponyexpression.net. When he's not in school or doing homework, Jin spends his free time reading and writing My Little Pony fanfic. He's deeply into the brony scene. Who knew that there were so many male fans of My Little Pony? I never thought his obsession. Okay, you can't do this. You can't make this joke when you're a published Biden fanfiction author. (laughs) This isn't. You are are writing a parody. (laughs) This is not a joke that you can make. Not allowed. Oh, congratulations, I say, hugging him again. How much will you be paid? He clears his throat. Uh, Peanuts, he says. At least his parents are still footing his bills while he's in college. Oh, I say. Well, you can eat peanuts after you shell them, unless they're already shelled. Then you can just eat them. That's fucking epic. That's an epic joke. Wait, is this really, like, poking fun at, like... What? good slam on good slam on bronies uh in in your 50 shades uh parody from i think at least when this was published this would have been three years past bronies being like a thing that everyone was talking about and like widely really got those guys fucking nailed them to the wall on that one uh oh I can't. I can't deal with this anymore. And I think we should probably move on, huh? That was this is a gonna... window into a world I don't understand. This is gonna kill us. Uh yeah, I'm I'm truly fascinated and disgusted uh, uh by this by this uh body of work. And I can't wait to uh read both of the Obama Biden novels to drive myself crazy. Wonderful. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them. As always, you can find them on Bandcamp. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash streetcast. We have so much good bonus content there for you, including. I don't know. What's a good one to include? We got a lot of good stuff. We talked about Nintendo. We talked about uh, the the Satanic Panic. We talked about a guy editing all of the Marvel movies into a 40 hour Marvel movie. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of good stuff. Uh, what are we going to read next week? Oh, crap. What are we going to read next week? What are we going to read next week? How many chapters are we I don't ever want to read left? again after that. <laughs> well, next week we are reading uh, Obama and Biden uh, teaming up to solve a mystery. Hmm. Let's see how the rest of the book breaks down. 
Uh, I think we can t- handle just doing one short chapter next week. Um, just got one. Yeah. 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 We'll spend enough time talking about the chapter illustration. It um, is such a good chapter illustration. <laughs> that's just a little teaser. Um, Maybe my favorite so far. It's very good. Uh, next week, we'll be reading chapter 36 uh, called The Only One He Ever Feared. How many more have we got after that? I'm curious i think two this one wow. is very short um mm-hmm. and then we have the last prophecy the second war begins oh that's it so we've got oh. two chapters left three chapters left wow okay well we're coming up close finally the the end is in sight that's kind of exciting honestly it really is um i'm so excited to see how the fuck this book wraps everything up and also like the more i think about this book and how convoluted it is i am so curious to see what the movie is like because i know the movie the movie has like a reputation with fans uh that is mostly negative um but if it is if it is as like brutal at, at cutting this book up as people say it is it might be good i don't know i'm very i'm very interested to see how that all shakes out yeah um but yeah no it's exciting we're close to the end but we can't lose sight of what's important we've got to kill umbridge before we're done here Mm -hmm. sorry everyone this is a doozy (laughs) this this is a doozy but it is worth reading uh rip all her pink clothes to shreds wait for her to faint in horror honestly woman and feed her <laughs> unconscious body to grop. Um, I see the misogyny of the way Umbridge is written is not lost on other people. Mm. Well, wh- the reason I wanted to read this one uh, as dumb as it is, is this one was too much for our friend Flute Piano. Oh. Flute Piano says, ew, dude no <laughs> so, so what, thank you what piano. part <laughs> hopefully the, the concept yeah all of it the whole thing top to bottom pretty i agree pretty gnarly but yeah i'm glad that we've finally after reading 29 of these we've finally hit one that was just simply too much for flute piano normally yeah. the cheerleader yeah uh so i'm now i'm now i'm on the edge of my seat i hope that next week flute piano returns you know did this did this scare what if this them was off? the final straw yeah what if what if this kind of kind of like you know soured flute piano on the whole enterprise and we lose them forever it's kind of that's gonna be exciting i'm gonna we're on the hook now for a for a, a big uh story event absolutely absolutely all right. Well, while you're waiting for that, you got plenty of time. You got a week. I would say, please read another book. Please read another book. Makes ocean roll seem tame. But I know what you're after if you catch a ride. Because this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.